This is Howard Solomon, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Caroline with the K here, and I have my guest, Howard Solomon, who is a father, flipper, husband, and a retired construction worker. Yeah. Howard has been so kind to come on the show with me today, 402, and he is going to talk about his first deal. But before we get into Howard's first deal, we're going to start with the Kiss Me segment, and I'm going to ask Howard a few questions so that we can get to know him a little bit better. So, Howard. What is your favorite song? I would have to say uh, Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. Nice. And what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? The biggest challenge probably was knowledge, not having enough knowledge, not knowing, you know, what to do, where to start, a single family or a duplex. You're either in the, the category of not having enough information or having too much information that you get stuck but I'm glad that you didn't have enough information. You still took action because that's why you're here with us today. And then what's something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that other people might not know about you? Well, I'm, I'm trying wholesaling, you know, I, I think that's new. And basically I've been flipping for 30 years on and off. And uh, I've been hearing a lot of stuff about wholesaling. It seems real easy. You don't have to use your own money. And I've been using my own money constantly. And uh I got to get it out there to let people know that, you know, I'm going to start wholesaling. I became a real, I became a real estate broker. So a lot of people don't know that they just think I'm a salesperson working under somebody, but we got our own brokerage now and uh, me and my daughter and we'll go from there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that your daughter was an agent. Yeah. I, I had my daughter get a real estate license. She was really interested when she graduated, uh, uh, well, when she got out of her first year of college, she really didn't know what she wanted to do. And then the second year of college, she started really hitting accounting. She got really interested in accounting. So the real estate kind of slipped it aside. But every time I get a flip done, we put her on. She's the listing agent. She'll go. We do the video tours and she'll list the house and, you know, she'll take calls. But uh, she's going for her accounting degree and uh, I'll have my own accounting and she'll still have, you know, her uh, real estate license. She dabbles in it. She gets on the MLS. She looks up houses and, you know, she's got college friends and looking for apartments still and looking for properties. So at least she'll be able to get on the MLS and dabble with it. But, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to convince her 100%. That, that's great. I mean, I think that having her with you and seeing what you're doing is definitely influencing her, you know, and she came, I met your daughter and she seemed pretty nice and, it's going to become a family business is what it sounds like. Yeah. All right. And the final question is, what is your favorite quote, Howard? It is what it is. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Is that a trademark? You came up with that one? No, no. A lot of people say it. Gotcha. Cool. So thanks so much for taking the time to come out this evening. Um, and this show is basically to help the 402 and anyone else that's listening kind of understand 
what your first deal was. So tell us, Howard. Oh, um, and I didn't ask you, so where are you based? Yeah, start us off there. I'm based in the capital of New York. I really don't want to say upstate New York because people from New York City think the capital of, of New York State, which is Albany, is upstate. I look at upstate as like Lake George, start getting into Saranac Lake, Plattsburgh. I feel that's upstate New York. The capital, we're dead center of the state. So we're I'm, a, I'm in the capital of New York State. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm guilty of that because <laughs> I'm from New York City. And I did not learn about, you know, upstate and what's actually upstate and what's the middle of the state until I went to Binghamton. So yes, Howard is in the middle of the state, and I'll take any, that. Any any anything above Manhattan is upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Westchester. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're in upstate New York. Yes, and they really are not upstate at all. Okay, so Howard, tell us about your first deal ever in real estate. Our first deal, we just uh, we weren't married yet. We got we got our first deal in 1989, I want to say 1989. And it was a two-family home. It was in the city of Albany. It was on a one-way street. And uh, two people uh, that weren't, no, uh, two, a couple had redone the first floor apartment. Really stellar. And uh, they put it on the market. And... We're young and stupid, and we're just – the landlord came to us, said that they were going to raise the rent. We said, well, we're not paying no more rent. We're going to find a two-family, have one of the units help us pay our mortgage, and, you know, if we got to live in the city, we'll live in the city. So we jumped ship. Uh, we purchased a home on Elk Street in Albany. <laughs> so are you – you were originally from Albany, New York? Yeah, yeah. But when I met my uh, when I met my wife, we lived in Rensselaer County, which is actually across the river. I started a job at an automotive place, and uh, one of the painters there, his father had a like a four family, and he just redid the basement. Old Italian redid the basement; it was gorgeous. So we moved into basement apartment, and we lived there for like two years when we first met. And uh, he raised the rent a couple times. And I think the third time he was coming to rent, you know, maybe the third year, he says, okay, I got to raise it again. It's like, you know what? <laughs> We're going to get our own place. So then how, why did you guys decide to not only get your own place, but get a place that had a two family, you know, more than one unit in it? Because that's not, I mean, and especially in 1989, like, I don't know how common that was. Like, where did that idea come from? Well, we're just, we knew we couldn't afford what we actually wanted. So we wanted to have somebody help us pay the mortgage. We knew the mortgage, we wouldn't be able to afford it both of us ourselves. But if we did get a two family, you know, and, and the two families, it was a, it was a little bit uh, rougher neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, uh, one of the greatest areas to move into, but at the time, you know, it, it really was, it was, it was funny because that block was, it was all older families that, that had two families and it was owner occupied. They all lived on the first floor and they rented out the second floor. So we kind of liked that because around the city, you, you would look and it was investors that just bought properties and both the units were rented out. You could tell just by the outside, there was no gardens, you know, there were no flowers. Nobody took care of it. There were renters. But on our block, it was mostly owner occupied. It was nice. Everything was kept up. And that, that was another thing that sold us. You know, you go up and down the street and 
there was no there was no garbage in the sidewalk. You could tell, you know, people people that own the place lived there. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's a good tip. Look at everyone else's gardens. What are the neighbors doing? Is this nice or not nice? Yeah. Well, if the outside is kept up, you know, the trash can brought in after after garbage or are they still out there two weeks later. <laughs> so how did so you're saying that the reason you kind of fell into house hacking was because you and your um, girlfriend at the time, now wife, thought that, or like you knew that you wouldn't be able to afford the nice house that you actually wanted, but you knew if you bought a two-family home that someone else would help you pay the mortgage and then you would own that property. You got it. And we'd build up a little equity. We'd, we'd refinance it, take that money out and do it again. And we did it about four times. We owned about four two-families before we built our house. Wow, you guys built your own home? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's where we are today, 2000. Wow, that's great. So <laughs> you've lived in your home for 21 years. Yeah, yeah. My daughter's 25. And the <laughs> other daughter, well, the young daughter that you met is 23. So she's been here most of her life. Wow, that's amazing. That's, well, that's what we wanted, you know, because our parents never did it. <laughs> <laughs> No, so then how did you guys know that you would be, be able to refinance your house? Like, because there weren't technology, like there's technology today, right? Like where you could read about this kind of stuff. Like, how did you guys know that you could do that? Well, there was technology. There were still real estate courses out there. There were there were the gurus and they were filling up the they were filling up the arenas. It just wasn't too heavy on the internet. It was basically back then it was TV. Everything was TV. You know, come into a hotel near you, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come see Robert Kiyosaki. Come see Robert Allen. You know, these were the guys. Russ Whitney, these were the guys that were on TV. Late night, you, you turn the TV on, you know, after the 11 o'clock news, and these guys were on for, you know, they'd pay for three, four hours because the actual TV channels would would close. You know, come 1 o'clock, you would see a flag on that channel for four hours until five in the morning when the news came back on. So the real estate gurus would, would buy them sections and it would be infomercials on how to flip properties, how to buy houses. And it, it was out there, but just not as with the internet. Now it's, it's total different ball game. I mean, we got, we got people in different States just buying paper and selling it. To, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really changed. Wow. So then so was it you were up late after the 11 o'clock news? You saw an infomercial that like, hey, you could buy your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or one of the nights I couldn't sleep, just woke up three in the morning. You go in, you turn on the turn on the TV instead of watching, you know, the, the channels trying to sell you gold watches. You know, there was a real estate channel for hours. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's doing it, this guy. And when you see a local guy working at one of the, the slaughterhouses, you know, when he, when he did it, it's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Wait, what, Russ do, Whitney. what do you mean this local guy? Th tell me more. What is this <laughs> Russ Whitney at the slaughterhouse? What? There was, there was this thing called Oscar Meyer and uh, they, they, they slaughtered uh, hogs for, you know, for bacon and stuff like that. Right in our, right in our town. And uh, he he just he worked there at the night shift and the same thing. He watched an infomercial and he started flipping properties. And, you know, he he came out with a book, got on TV, made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, people look at that when a local person, it's like, wait a minute, this guy's not from Florida. He's not a, a salesperson. This guy was a regular worker at night, you know, working at a slaughterhouse. 
and uh, just said, you know, this isn't for me and I want to get into real estate. And it's like, wait a minute, if Russ can do it, anybody, you know. Wait, so did you know him or you found him and then that? No, but I knew I knew the factory. I knew all about the factory. I mean, it's, you know, 10 minutes away from my house. So through him, you found out about house hacking. No, no. I, uh, well, I, I saw it through other people, but, you know, it. Are they just trying to sell their books and tapes? You know, oh, they live in California. Oh, they're slick people. They're coming to our town for a weekend and putting on a thing. But when you see the weekend guy actually that, that lives around the corner from you that did do it, it's like, wait a minute, you know, Russ did this. <laughs> you know, he watched TV late at night. He, he he saw these guys doing it. And now Russ, Russ has got a book out. So it sounds like you're going to put a book out too one day. <laughs> Hey, Bill Allen just did. So how did you, first of all, a mortgage for a thousand dollars in New York? Like what, how much did you pay or buy your home for? Uh, when we purchased it, it was 74,000. Wow. And do you still own that property today? No, no, no. We, we sold after after purchasing that one, we did about four more in about the first five years, and then I could write a book. Okay, so can't wait to hear Howard Solomon's book coming out twenty twenty three, guys. Because they burned them down on me, they subletted them on me, and I just said I want out of the rental business. I don't want to. I don't want to rent anybody. We're into multifamily now, and when you start getting into bigger numbers and a lot more people. And property management, when you try to manage and there's only two apartments and one person decides not to pay rent or the second person, you're really hurting. You got to come up with that mortgage, you know? So the multifamilies, that's what really turned me out about multifamilies is you can have a property manager. They'll deal with the evictions. They'll deal with the people. But yeah, the, the two families were pretty tough. And we got up to about five of them in about four or five years. And uh, we ended up selling them all and building our home. So when you say you got into them, can you talk to me a little bit about, like, how did you guys finance it, the first one? And Basically, basically it was just, uh, you know, we both had our full-time W-2 jobs. Uh, we had good money coming in. We had good credit. And when we went and got the first one, uh, the bank sort of, you know, we paid on time and had still good credit. So I, I think the second one was uh, family members. Uh, it was a two family from her grandmother. So we, we ended up purchasing that and uh, financing that. Same thing. Her grandmother lived upstairs. She paid rent. We paid rent downstairs. And the first one, we just rented both the apartments out. So we moved out of one apartment into another apartment. And then the third house actually was a 203K. That was a foreclosure. And we picked that one up real cheap and we did all the work ourselves, a little at a time, working at W2 jobs, remodeled the whole thing up and down and rented that one out, went to the bank, borrowed the money because we, we got it for just about nothing. And uh, the fourth one, we took some, we refinanced, I think the first and second one took some money out to buy the fourth one. And we got up to like five and after five. Things started going south real quick. I was working out of town and, you know, my wife was working in healthcare and, you know, she wasn't taking calls. If somebody called and the toilet was clogged or something, you know, <laughs> she would pass it to me and I was three hours away working my construction job. 
So it, it was tough working out of town, working in construction and trying to take care of property managed, you know, five different buildings with 10 different tenants. So uh, how come you guys never got a property manager to manage the property? I was always under the assumption I'm a hands-on guy and I was always under the assumption that, you know, I can't pay somebody $15, $20 for something I can do. But the thing was, you know, I really couldn't do it. I, I just, the mindset, it was all mindset. It was like, I can't pay somebody to do that when I can do that, you know? Yeah. But the thing is, it, it seemed like every time something happened, I was out of town. I mean, every, we went on vacation every six months, you know, the, the, no big vacations, but we'd be away from, you know, we'd be out of town. And it's like every time we went away, something happened. You know, the house caught on fire. We'd, we'd go away. Somebody moved out during the night. Every time. We'd, and and we wouldn't tell anybody. You know, it's not like we told our tenants, hey, you know, 4th of July, we're going away for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they just knew. They're like, oh, you, oh. you guys have this landlord? Yeah, he's going to be going on vacation around this time. <laughs> One, one of the rockets, the, the a bottle rocket flew up on the second port on the second floor porch, caught the whole porch on fire. I mean, the fire department had to come, and it was thousands of dollars worth of damage on a, on a firework from a next door neighbor. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, well, you know, I mean, insurance covered it, but it's the the time and the aggravation, and you know, it's wow. So it sounds like. I mean, yeah, landlording is tough and it has its challenges, but it sounds like you guys bought your first investment deal and then you were able to get into five more properties within what the next five years or maybe even less time. Yeah, than that. it was almost like one a year. That's awesome. So you kept going but, you and you realized the value in purchasing properties, like basically house hacking and living in one and then renting out the other. Um, so tell us a little bit more about this first deal. Like, so you went to the bank, you got financing, you bought it. And then how did it go? Like, how was the closing? Did you have to do a lot of repairs on it? You said the first floor was completely redone, but what about the upstairs and the tenants? Like, what was that year like? Well, it, it was, it was kind of tough because we're on pins and needles, you know, to, we knew that every dime coming in upstairs, you know, we needed to cover the mortgage. You know, we were we're young, and uh, we had just enough money to cover the mortgage with their help. So, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't even turn our ceiling fan on because it rattled the floor from the upstairs tenants, and we always thought, geez, if they moved out, we're not going to be able to pay the mortgage. So we're on pins and needles the whole time. We had dogs. We we kept quiet, and you know. We called her Nosy Rosie. I mean, she would come down and take our mail. Our mail would come in, and she'd she'd ring our doorbell six o'clock at night. Oh, by the way, you got mail today. I mean, this lady was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She and and we put up with it, you know. <laughs> Wait, so did she? She knew that you guys purchased the property. Was she there when you moved in, or like was she an inherited tenant, or? Yeah, no, no, they were already there. She was inherited, you know. We we got to see the apartment once, you know, on inspection. And uh, back then, you know, the bank didn't even require an inspection. We never had an inspection at a house. Well, I take that back. They had an FHA inspector because we went FHA, and they came in. They didn't say nothing. Anything wrong with the house? There were two hand railings. 
one for the back porch. There were two steps. There was a deck that came out the back door, and then off the deck there were two little steps. And they complained. They said, you need a handrail. It's got two steps. So we had to put a handrail going down there, and then the basement had four steps. You would walk down three steps and then another four down to the basement, and there was no handrail there. That was that was our home inspection. Oh, you need two handrails, and then we can close the deal. <laughs> what? It had it had smoke detectors, all the windows, no no broken windows. There was no peeling paint. So that was the big FHA was peeling paint, broken windows, and handrailings and smoke detectors. And if it had all of those, that's all they pretty much looked at. Wow. So you guys, I mean, what was the timeline between you're like, okay, we're going to find a property, buy it, live in it. And then, you know, and your landlord's like, we're going to increase rent. Like, what was the timeline for you before you actually purchased it and closed? Oh, geez. It, it went quick. You know, we, we found it, I think, in May. And, you know, by the end of July, we're in. My gosh. So that was, that's really fast. Well, you know, basically, we're, we're just thinking, you know, the money situation. It's like, I think he wanted to raise our rent like a, a hundred bucks it, it was a lot and we're like wait a minute you know he 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 actually wanted us out and didn't know how to tell us he wanted to redo the place a little bit more and then i think he was thinking of selling it and what happened was one of the sons came in and 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 helped them manage it so they ended up keeping the building but he said you know what i'm gonna get you know gonna get howie and dina out of there i'm gonna redo the place then i'm gonna sell it and the son stepped in and says oh no you know once we got out of there they redid the place but then the son took over so they did end up keeping the building but we're like you know we can't pay that for a basement apartment you know what was your rent just, oh geez maybe 350 no way 350 yeah, rent. yeah but the landlord was just like our tenant. I mean, everything we did, you know, we'd, we'd come home and they'd be looking out the window and, <laughs> you know, there were two, two old Italians and, oh man, it's like you didn't have any privacy. It's, you know, even though you, you paid for the apartment, you know, yeah. and what, what it was, Caroline was, it was an illegal apartment, you know, the town didn't know about it. It was a two family and he redid the basement. So basically, it was a favor of a favor, and you know, rented it to us. But it was a basement. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, it sounds it sounds real cheap, but again, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a legal apartment where, you know, if the town knew about it. I mean, what would they do? Fine you or something? No, they would they would find him and just kick us out. They would just say, hey, you know, this isn't legal, and you gotta you gotta move. You, you know, it's not a legal apartment. Most most departments they want two they want two ways to get out and this only had one way. Oh. You know, if there was if there was ever a fire blocking, we would have never been able to get out. And in the basement, what they like to see is egress windows, a window big enough so you could get out. And in this basement, you, you know how basement windows are, they're you know, three foot wide by about a foot tall. Yeah. That's that's the kind of windows we had in our <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's, I mean, what a great story though, that like your landlord is like, Hey, we're going to increase rent. And then you and your wife decide, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to find our own place. We're going to pay our own mortgage and own a property and have someone else pay the rest of the mortgage. And then you guys were able to do that and 
five times and then buy essentially build the house of your dreams. Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. I mean, talk about an accomplishment and now you're moving into the multifamily space because you realize that it's not exactly, you know, being a landlord for one property is not the same as being a, a syndicator and owning 500 doors and having to manage the property manager as opposed to dealing with the toilets yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the late night phone calls and (laughs) the threats. Right. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much, Howard. I really appreciate you coming out to talk to me in the 402 about your experience with your first investment property. It sounds like it's, it did you well. And um, you and your wife were able to cross off one of the things on your list. Thanks to real estate. Yeah. Oh yeah. So is there any piece of advice or word of advice that you might have um, that you like to share with the 402? I tell everybody, even my kids get started, you know, by paying rent, you're, you're paying somebody else's, you're buying somebody else's dream. You know, don't, don't pay rent. Not if you don't have to. Yeah, that's awesome. Even the even the littlest, the, the crappiest apartment, but you know, get into a two family, a three family, and let let somebody else help pay the mortgage. Yeah. So there you have it, four hundred two, and uh, thanks so much, Howard. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening or watching the First Deal Show. I'm excited for you to buy your first investment property. If this show has helped you in any way, I ask that you share it with someone 